I think we could stay here and sing all day long. What do you think? Amen. Just about. Amen. Thank you all so much. Thank you all. Let me invite you to turn with me to Ephesians 5.16. Ephesians 5.16. And I'm going to be sharing with you just briefly about our God-given opportunities. You see, life is short. How many of you know that? Life is short. I used to be 12. Okay. And I was this short at 12 years old, too. But life is short. And you see, we have much from God that we have and much to do for God. And with the time that we have left in this life, chronologically speaking, we can make a difference in others' lives. Say that. I can make a difference. I can make a difference. So... With the time that we have, you see, we can't change the whole world, but we can change the world where we live, can't we? So God has given us each day many opportunities. Now, in this word, it says this, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Now, let me just... Like we used to say, let me, let me learn something to you, okay? In, in the Greek, there are two words for the word time. One is chronos, from which we get chronology, like today, tomorrow, the next day, and the next day. That kind of linear time. But there's another word that he uses right here. It's called kairos, or kairos. And we have, Bobby's going to say something probably about that in just a minute. There's a difference Chronology of chronos time is, again, linear, but kairos time, which is right here in this text, means an opportune time. An opportune time. So kairos means this. It means that we have opportunities every day to serve God, a suitable time. God, have you ever been in a place where God just laid an opportunity right there? You didn't expect it to be laid right there? Did you take advantage of it for God? Often we don't, but it's a unique time to do a special thing for God. It is a proper time, and that time may never, ever come again. And that's happened with me. It's a, it's a season, a short while. You know, when I uh, go to a, a Wednesdays, I go to Jacksonville, have to be there at a certain time. And if I don't leave just about five or ten minutes before six in that window, guess how much traffic I get to play in? later. You see, there's a window of time. We have opportunities to do things God has actually called us to do. And by the way, each Christian here is called to God to serve Him in whatever ways He gives us with the abilities and and, and, and giftedness. You see, I want to feel God's purpose in, in my life, don't you? God gives us opportunities. And let's look for those opportunities. He says, redeeming the time. Now, when He says that, he means to buy back. It's like a merchant sees something very valuable over here he's going to get and then sell for a profit. He's going to redeem that for a profit. You see, there are times and times again when people come across our paths who do not know Jesus, and it may be your only opportunity to tell them. You may never see them again. It may never, ever happen again. But those opportunities are there. These opportunities come in the form of I can encourage somebody. Do you know people who can be encouraged today? God's given the opportunities to do that. He says, redeem the time. Buy that 
time up and use it for God for yourself. It actually means don't waste your time. I do not like to waste time. Do y'all? Maybe just maybe I have this real strong work ethic, but I don't like to waste time. It is God's time. He's loaned us His time, His chronological time, and then God has opportunities for us, so He's loaning us these opportunities to serve Him. Could God do it all by Himself? Oh, yes. But God gives us opportunity to serve Him and glorify Him through that. So, we only have a short while, and I, I, I don't know how how long I'm going to live. As a hospice chaplain, I, I ministered to people everywhere from 15 years old. I had one who just turned 100 last week. I mean, she can sing, you know? And she's using those opportunities to sing gospel music there to people where she is. She is using those opportunities. So God gives us opportunities day after day after day. Now, how do I know when God gives me an opportunity? You know, if I pray, if I listen to God, don't you think God's going to show me and I'm going to listen to him? I want to discern those opportunities. I have had opportunities to be in the midst of and share with agnostics, people who are atheists, people who say they love God, but they use his name well in a bad way. You know, it's all these things, all these things... But I'm there, and I'm going to be an influence. Can I stop them? I can't stop them. But God used me. God used me to be an influence. God can use you wherever you are. So we need to be, we need to take the initiative. Let's not just wait for those opportunities to serve God to come. Because I'm telling you, there are people out there who are hurting. And they need, they need a voice of God. And you might be that voice of God. I can, I, last week I was in a group of people. And this one particular lady, she just broke down and cried. And I'm thinking, what can we do? Well, the first thing we did was we gave her opportunity to cry. That's what she needed. And then we touched her on the shoulder. We had men and women in that room. And she felt a touch of God. She felt a touch of God. You see, that was an opportunity. Well, honey, I'll help you out. Just wait, I go give me a Coke, you know, I'll be right back. No, she needed it at that time. So you see, we have opportunities day after day after day. The Bible says, it does say this, redeeming the time, why? Because the days are evil. If I told you that we live in a day and age where we are in a degenerate generation in a lot of ways, you think so? You can make a difference and I can make a difference. Our opportunity. Now, I don't know, I really don't know how long I'm going to live. I want to live at least to be two years older than my grandpa, and he died at age 91. And when I get 93, I'm going to say, Lord, can, we, can I get somebody else now, you know? But I want to live, and I want to serve God every day. Now, do I as I should? We all fail, don't we? But look for opportunities because God has put you in that place and me in that place and that opportunity and that situation to bless people's hearts. The other day I said, no, I... I just want to bless somebody. I, I hope God just blesses your socks off. And they said, Jake, you believe the Bible? I said, yeah. Where's that found in the Bible? I said, I'll find it. I'll find it, you know. We can be blessing to people and just bless their socks off. I can work that in there somewhere. Why do we need to redeem the time and take opportunity 
to, to, to take advantage of the opportunities that God gives us. Now, he's going to give me an opportunity that he will never give Brother Bobby. And then he's going to give Brother Bobby an opportunity that I'll never have. God's going to give you opportunities that nobody ever will have. I encourage you to say, God, what can I do in this situation? By the way, we have to get out of our comfort zone, don't we? That is tough. Something out of my comfort zone is sometimes just not seeing anything. Denise, the ministry of silence is tough for me. Okay? I want to run my mouth. <laughs> but if you're talking to somebody and they don't want me to say anything, they just want to look at me and cry. A woman about 87 years old the other day, she said a few words to her and she just gave me a stare. And I, gave, I looked at her gaze in her eyes for four and a half minutes. Hours. It's not like hours. But that's what she needed, just to look at me and to know that I cared. You see, opportunity sometimes can give us, get, get us out of our comfort zone. It should. Life is short. Have I said that already two or three times? Life is short. Ten years from today, will I have the energy that I have now? I hope not. I hope you have more. You know, it's all an attitude, I think. I remember I used to you know be able to run. I mean, I could just run five or six miles, bingo, I'm gone. Man, the first time I tried that about a year ago, I, I just went bingo, you know. Things change. So take advantage of the opportunities while we can. Kairos opportunity to serve God. We are to be stewards of God's time. We're just simply to obey God only. He challenges us to do this and this and this. He's not beating us over the head. He wants to bless us when we serve Him, doesn't He? So, He tells us to take full advantages of the opportunities given to us. I think I've shared it here before. In the, the first church where I pastored up in Kentucky, went to visit this lady and her husband, and they were in a very, very small house. It was in the uh, right in the middle of winter. It was snowing, and it's it yucky. I went to visit her, and I went to I shared with her as a friend and her husband, and I shared Christ with her. And she just kind of backed off and backed off, and she said, don't say any more about that. I said, I won't. I, you know, that's fine right now. And I said, uh, but you know what I'm talking about. You know, she said, I know I've heard it too many times. And we talked more. She said, you know, that made sense. But I'm not ready right now. And I, I said, and I'll let, she was ready, I believe. I believe, I believe that's her excuse saying she wasn't. So I said, listen, let, can I just come back and visit y'all next week? Yes, I wish you would. I left there with a, a person, a lady who was unsaved. And... The next week when I went by to see her, her husband was there. I said, you know, where's your wife? He said, oh, she, the day after you left here, she slipped and fell. And when nobody was here and she laid face down in the snow and she died. (laughs) And I think... God gave me an opportunity 
to lead someone to Christ, to experience eternal life, and I did not do it. God has forgiven me, but that woman is in hell. So you see, that was, that was just one opportunity. So don't let moments pass you by. Look for those opportunities that God gives you. Invest your life in God, and he'll show you, and he wants to use you. And to be used of God is one of the greatest things in the world, the joy, the fulfillment, the life. Just being like Jesus. Redeem the time. Take advantage of the opportunities that we have. We have so little chronological time. Make access to that time, which is your opportunity to serve God as he's called you. It doesn't surprise me that many of you in this building are not only worshiping God, but you're having fun. This has been a good day. What time is it? It's time to come to Jesus, folks. And uh, many of you have already made that journey. Uh, The word I want to concentrate on is come. The word come, C-O-M-E. But uh, not only has Jesus come to you, the question, the real question is, have you come to Jesus? Um, There's a lot of political themes that are circulating our land. MAGA, I think it's ready, really, really ready for us here to make America godly again. We're on a mission, and that mission is to make my life godly again, make my family godly again, make my community godly again, make our church godly again. Isn't that how Trump does it? We're going to make Clay County godly again. I just borrowed that. I'm sorry. I just had to do that. I'm not running for anything. (laughs) But uh, that word come, you know, uh, Pat Simon said in her song that she sang, Jesus is come, coming Yes, he is. And I, the, main, the main question that I want to focus on today, have you come to Jesus? I think it's past time. It's really past time for some of you in here to come to Jesus. And so I'm just being honest with you. I'm feeling the Lord tugging at my heart to tell you it's past time to come to Jesus. Uh, that word come, I looked up in the English Standard Version. Do you know it's a verb? That means you need to take action on it. That means you need to come. God has not only come to you, he wants you to come to him. Uh, A lot of people, when you talk about intimacy, I know a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't really consider my relationship with God just real close, but I don't consider it real bad either. I'm kind of, you know, in the middle. I want to tell you here as emphatically as I can explain it to you. You are moving in one direction or another 
in, in this attitude of coming to Jesus. You are either coming to him on a daily basis, growing more and more intimate with him, or you're going further and further away from him. And at one point, that further and further away from him is the wrong way to go. But that word come, in the English Standard Version, that word come is written 1,736 times. Does that have your attention? Have you come to Jesus? Are you coming? In Isaiah, it's 117 times. In Jeremiah, the word come is 114 times. In Matthew, in the New Testament, 43 times is it written come. Now, sometimes that word come means the, just the, some group came, you know, some group is coming. But there, there's a phrase, come to me. Where God is saying, come to me. It's an invitation. Come to me. Forty-eight times that phrase is used in the English Standard Version. Thirty-one times in the Old Testament. Seventeen times in the New Testament. God is saying, come to me. Are you on that journey? John seven thirty-seven and 38. This is just one of those phrases in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, that Jesus Himself is saying this phrase, "Come to me." John seven thirty seven and thirty eight. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." I love Billy Graham. Anytime I watch Billy Graham, Grant Graham's messages, George Beverly Shea at the end of that would sing a great song. You know it. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O oh, Lamb, sing it with of God, I come, I come. That's an invitation for you. We talked about those Greek words for time. Chronology is chronologically. Kairos is a word that means a special time. When you come to Jesus... It is a special time, a very special time in your life. It's marked forever. It's not meant to be a one-time event. It's meant to be a daily walk of coming, of daily getting up in the morning and coming. And my question to you, again, don't, don't say I'm in this middle because you're either moving one direction or the other. Are you coming to Jesus? Do you think it's high time you did? I will share... One story that I get from the prison, I regularly visit a maximum security prison in Stark the last Saturday in July. About a hundred inmates come to this to give testimony of 
what's God doing in their life in a maximum security prison? Can a prisoner change his heart in a prison? I witnessed this. But this one inmate named Norris gave testimony to the whole group. He was an evil man, full of hatred and anger. He had been in prison 35 years. He was arrested and put on death row. He hated God. He hated people. When he went to his mother's funeral, looking into her casket, uh, she was a Pentecostal. And if you're here visiting, uh, this is just a Pentecostal church, okay? Uh, but he, he, this, this man, Norris, in prison, for a period of time he was on death row, he looked into his mother's casket when she died and did not shed a tear. She tongue-talking mama. Her, his daddy, when he died, he went to the funeral and looked into the casket didn't shed a tear. On death row, he had a black minister, 85 years old, that would weekly come to visit him on death row. He'd put his arms on the bar and he'd say, son, you need to come to Jesus. He had a sign that he wrote to put on his wall, don't bring me this Jesus crap. He told this man, you're not my father. He's a white man. How can you be my father? And I don't want to talk about Jesus. And then he started praying in tongues. This man weekly came to him, and it didn't matter how many curse, curses he said to this preacher. Once, one, one day, this 85-year-old preacher put his hands on his bars of his cell and said, Son, you need to come to Jesus. He said, I don't want to come to Jesus. He started praying in tongues. And all of a sudden, Norris gave this testimony with tears starting coming down his cheeks. I was in that cell full of hate, full of anger, and tears started coming down my cheeks, and I didn't know what was happening. I couldn't explain it. And then snot started coming out. And then the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I'm here to testify to you men in this room. I got, I got, he got my attention when he started praying in tongues and looked up to me and said, Son, God told me you're not going to die in the electric chair. He said, Now that got my attention. And he did get his death sentence reduced to life in prison. And God changed this man's heart full of evil, full of wickedness, full of hatred in a death row cell in an instant filled his heart with love. It's high time you come to Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made, and we are here to rejoice in it. I want to bring to you what the Lord <coughs> laid on my heart. I loosened up my tie. I just didn't have a, a rope around my neck. <coughs> I want to talk to you for a few moments today about the significance of a name. 
for the significance of your name and my name. If we drove out today and we see the golden arches, the first thing that comes to our mind is McDonald's that has the great best fries that they make. If you see an advertisement or you see Colonel Sanders, you think of Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? I'm not going to make you hungry so you have to leave real quick. If you think about it, I'd like to go on a cruise, and I really would, but convincing my wife is another thing, but I'd like to go. The, the two cruise lines, there's a lot of them, but the first one is Carnival, and the next one is Royal Caribbean or Caribbean, whatever you want to say. And if you see Mickey Mouse, what do you think about? You think about Disney. Disneyland. So your name is important. Your name has value. And your name has worth. If you have a check and you don't sign your name on it, it's not going to be worth anything, correct? Well, if they make a check out payable to somebody and it doesn't have your name on it, it's not going to be worth anything for them to give it to you. Your driver's license, if they pull you over and you give somebody else's driver's license to them and it does not have your name on it, you're going to be in problems. You agree with that? So I'm going to condense this hour down to about 10 or 12 minutes here. Amen. But let's skip over to the Old Testament and see about names. Abraham had a name that, in fact, in the Old Testament, their names really meant something. Abraham, the name meant many or multitudes. When you look at the sky at nighttime and you see the stars, you think of Abraham and the promise. Isaac. His name means we will laugh, or he will laugh, because Sarah, when she was nine years old, conceived a son, but she laughed when they told her. And Jacob, we know him by the subplanner. And what that means, one that overthrows, one that takes advantage. So that's what he was. So names mean something. Moses, when he was at the burning bush, And the Lord told him that he was going to use him to go down to Egypt to deliver his people. The first thing Moses said, who shall I say sent me? And the Lord said to him, he didn't give him a name, he just simply said, tell them that I am that I am sent you. He said, well, what's that mean? It means that he was before and there's never been anything before him and there's never going to be anything after him. He's all in all, the fullness is in him. I am that I am. And then we're going down to Isaiah. Isaiah began to pen some wonderful words, as many of the prophets did. And one of them, he was beginning to write Isaiah. He began to write, there's going to be a son born unto us, and his name is going to be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You know what? He had to stop there because he still did not know the name that they'd been looking for all the years and years of time. He could not pin the name. All the prophets wanted to know what is his name. The Jews, the name is so sacred to them. Now, I'm just touching on some points, okay? Is this okay? Got to be. The Jews, 
were so sacred about God's name, they simply wrote the name Y-H or the letters Y-H-W-H, which we call Yahweh. They don't say God's name. But they called him different things. They called him El or Eloi or Elohim or El Shaddai. They called him all of those things, but they still couldn't put their finger on it. What is his name? Let's skip to the New Testament. Gabriel came to Mary in Bethlehem of Judea. And he said, Mary, God sent me. You're a virgin. You're going to have a baby. And you're going to call his name. But first of all, he's going to be Emmanuel. What's being interpreted is what? God. What? God. God with us. And he said his name, the name that all the prophets could not fear, the name they did not know, the name that Moses didn't know, Abraham didn't know, Isaac didn't know. We know today because he said his name shall be called Jesus. How come? Because he will save his people from their sins. Hallelujah. I'm sorry, I'm just an old-time Pentecostal preacher. Peter, I'm going to hurry along. Peter and John went down to the gate called Beautiful. They found a man there that was lame from birth. They were full of the Holy Ghost. They looked up on that man, and they said to him, he was begging alms, they simply said, look up on us. Look up here. I got something for you. Like Brother Jakey said, you can tell him about it. Look up on me. And he says, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I to thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, and he lifted him up. And the man was healed instantly and began to leap like we was here a while ago when the thought walking out of that grave. He began to leap and magnify and glorify the Lord. Well, he stirred up all the priests and the high priests. He called a commotion. We just about had a commotion this morning. Didn't we? He called a commotion, a disturbance in the fourth chapter of Acts. And the priest said, they called him in and said, boys, we've got to talk to y'all. They're causing all kinds of problems. They're turning this city upside down. What is going on? What did he say to him? Peter, I want to know by what power and by what name did you perform that miracle? He looked at him. He said, I don't know it exactly. Be it known unto you and all of that, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth was that man made whole. And then he went on to say, and neither, listen to this, folk, neither, I don't care what anybody says, this is the Bible, I'm simply giving you Bible, is that okay? The Bible says, neither is there salvation. You know what the word salvation means? Deliverance and preservation from sin, diseases, sickness, 
addictions. That's what it means. Not only does it deliver you, it keeps you. That's salvation. Salvation is not deliverance alone. Salvation is deliverance along with the power of the Holy Spirit to keep you from ever returning to it again. Amen. Neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name. I didn't say this, folks. The Bible says this. There is none other name. No other name. Think about that. No other name. I don't care what your brother tells you, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, your grandma, your grandpa, whoever, your friend, your neighbor. There is no other name except. In fact, there's no other name under heaven. That covers it all. Given among men. That would be us. Is this true? Think of it. It's pretty simple to me. There is no, there is, there, neither is there salvation in any other, none other name under the heaven given on men whereby we must be saved. You can call on Muhammad, or, or you can be, you can call on whoever you want. Muhammad's a prophet. But you can call on whoever you want. You can pray to any God that you want, any name that you want. And they'll tell you, well, you know, they're praying to the same God that I'm praying to. Not so, folks. I know what Allah means. It means God. But they're not praying to the same God we pray to. Now, I know I'm going to stir up a few here, maybe. That's okay. They're not praying to the same God that we acknowledge. I said, they're not praying to the same God. You said, well, there's only one God. You got it. And his name is Jesus Christ. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved except by the name of Jesus Christ. If you're going to come to the Lord, regardless of what your faith is today, who you believe in or who you think your God is, if you're going to believe in the Lord today, you must come believe, and you must believe that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him, and it's all in the name of Jesus. In fact, the Bible says, whatever you do in word or in deed, do it all in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is no other name. I said there is no other name. Where, where you at, Rob? Come on. Where is my time's up? That's the fastest ten minutes. You're probably glad it's that. Some people don't like preachers or holler. I just, you know. But I'm going to tell you why. Folks, there is no other name. I've had, tell, I've had them try to tell me. I've had relatives try to tell me. There's other, no, there is no other way. 